We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Monday. That means it is Monday mailbag time. And there's a lot to talk about today, Ryan. But I have a feeling this is going to be a very short show. And here's why. There's obviously news starting to break in Notre Dame world, which we'll discuss here for a couple minutes. And it's going to be what everybody wants to talk about. And that is Notre Dame offensive coordinator Jared Parker is being reported that he's going to leave to take the head coach job at Troy. That job obviously came came open when John John Sumrall, I think uh, Sum, Sumnerall, I, I think that's how you say his name, mm-hmm. uh, left to become the head coach at Tulane to replace Willie Fritz, who became the head coach at Houston to replace Dana Holgerson, who was fired. Now, listen, the news is not official yet. We do expect something to happen in the next 24 hours. We are not going to do a whole show on that. We're not going to answer a million questions about that right now. I promise you, when the news breaks, we will have a full show about this tomorrow. Okay? So if you are if you only want to talk about the OC thing, then, like I said, it's going to be a real short mailbag. There's still plenty to talk about. we got signing day in two days. got a bowl game coming up in, like, less than two weeks. We're going to have some all-star games coming up. So, you know. Reality is there's still plenty to talk about, and if you guys want to talk about that stuff, then we'll have a nice long mailbag. If all you want to talk about is the OC, it's going to be a short show. Now, you will get all your OC questions answered. I promise you. It's just, let's wait for that show, okay? This is a mailbag show, and as always, we like to we like to let stuff kind of play out first and become official because, you know, there's, there's still some things that can happen and some contract negotiations that uh, can throw snags into things. Ryan, remember a couple of years ago when we all knew Jim Harbaugh was gone. He was yeah. leaving for the, was it the Vikings job? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was telling people in Michigan he was leaving and then boom, something happens and, you know, things change. So uh, we will talk about the Parker stuff when it's finalized. If it happens in the next few hours, they'll talk about it tonight on the show tonight. Uh, but we will definitely have a converse conversation about this tomorrow and uh, and dive into this a lot more. So if you guys 
bring on any other questions that you have. We'll, we'll dive into this stuff, what it means. I mean, there's obviously, this is big news, right? I mean, this is big news, which is why we're going to wait to have a show on it when we have more information and when things become official, because we will dedicate an entire show to this topic. And that's why we want to hold off on it. Let's let it happen first. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Factor has been a great friend of the Driscoll household this month. Not only are we super busy with work and everything going on with Notre Dame football, we're also dealing with a house remodel. And even thinking about cooking stresses me out, which is why I'm so thankful we found Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals that can be on your plate in minutes. It has literally saved me hours of prep, cooking, and cleaning time during an incredibly busy season for us. And their fresh but and never frozen meals got delivered right to my doorstep, which also saved me plenty of shopping time. On top of that, the flavor is outstanding. Whether it's the chicken taco bowl I had for dinner last night or my personal favorite so far, which is a filet over a mushroom risotto, I'm eating healthy meals but not sacrificing flavor. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holiday. You can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals that also support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan, keto, protein plus, and more. Head to factormeals.com irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off today. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com irish50 to get 50% off, definitely give it a try. We did, and we love it. Some other news that kind of broke this weekend uh, had to do with the strength coach, Brian, and and um, the potential that Notre Dame is going to finally have their new strength coach, and it's an interesting one, right? So that's another one. Lauren, uh, Lauren Landau, yep. who spent the previous five seasons as the special teams coordinator for the Denver Broncos. People have asked me about it, and I'm like, I know you guys know that I'm a Broncos fan, but I also know that you know I haven't watched the NFL much the last few years. <laughs> Lots to talk about there too, Ryan. We're still diving into learning about him. I've heard some things that concern me as far as, you know, the Broncos had a lot of injuries. You've heard that story come out the last five years. You've also heard people say that's partly because the Broncos signed a lot of free agents that had injury histories <laughs> the last few years. Um you know, there also was a report where I can't remember who did it, but they they 
interview NFL players and they grade them like, you know, training facility and ownership, how they treat families. Like there's all these grades of the organization. And I believe last year the Broncos had the highest, like amongst the players had the highest graded strength conditioning program, like the strength program graded out as high as anybody else. So there's a lot of back and forth. I listened to an interview with him yesterday that we put on the message board. Very fascinating. He's very much into the modern sciences when it comes to strength conditioning. (laughs) Yes, he and, is. And, uh, you know, that's obviously something that Mark, Marcus Freeman is very into right now. Is that good or bad? Honestly, I'm not a strength coach. I, I don't know. But we're going to continue to do some digging. There's some things I've heard about him, Ryan, that I really like, yep. and, including his willingness to to go out and meet and sit down with people who are really successful in his field that do it the way he does it and that don't do it the way he does it. I mean, openly he's talked about, like, look, look, I also want to meet with people that maybe do it a little bit differently. And how can I learn and apply certain things to that? So it's going to be very interesting, very interesting it's, time right now at Notre Dame because these are these are going to be two very, very important moves that Marcus Freeman is going to have to make that are going to tell us a lot about the direction of the in the future of this program. It's never boring, man. It's never boring in Notre Dame lands, and I'm excited, obviously, to see what comes of it. You know, because we've already heard a little bit of chatter as far as. Some people that might be getting phone calls or have already gotten phone calls right. from Notre Dame, and it's going to be a very intriguing time. Absolutely. Let's just say that, Ryan. Yeah. We don't know if Marcus Freeman's going to promote Gino Gadouli. If Jared Parker leaves, you will see Gino Gadouli call plays for the bowl game. That's that's sure. going to happen. And then you'll see one of the analysts get promoted to coach the tight ends, right? So that'll be the easy one. I don't know if Marcus Freeman's definitely going to hire from the outside. We don't know that. Uh, he could end up just promoting Gino Gadouli. Uh, we'll talk about that more later. I have some concerns about that. I know, Ryan, you do as well. But we do know for a fact they have at least started – they have reached out – because this is something that's been in the works for several days. This has just happened in the last 24 hours. Where Jared Parker sitting at home yesterday going over notes for the bowl game, and all of a sudden Troy calls and is like, hey, you want to be our head coach? Sure. <laughs> you know, this has been in the it, works Interviews have to happen <laughs> and conversations <laughs> right. have to be had. Yes, right, yes, right, yes. right, right, right. So uh, they have reached out to, to other coaches that they're interested in. So I do know that there are some outside candidates that they're reaching out to. Will they hire those guys? I don't know. But at least they are pursuing that. But but that's what we'll talk about more in tomorrow's show, Ryan. We'll, we'll, we'll even talk about some guys that maybe we like for that position and, and, and dive into that. And we'll both continue to, to work the channels we have to find out more about the strength coach, we, we do expect that to happen somewhat soon, uh, to be announced somewhat soon. Uh, but again, even there, there's still some, you know, final I's that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed with those things, which is why we don't love talking about things um, uh, uh, until they're finalized, because this is a crazy business. And sometimes when you think something's done, it ends up not being done. So when it's official, we'll have more to talk about both of those topics. See Andy Ludwig last year. If you want proof that things bingo, I mean, Ryan, that was a done deal. In our opinion, that was a done deal. We were talking to sources that, Hey, Andy Ludwig's going to be the next OC. He's accepted the job. He's been offered the job. He's accepted the job. And then boom, contract snag. So if, if we've, if we've learned our lesson, uh, you know, from, from last season, then certainly there's, there's going to be plenty to talk about. So yeah, we'll have more about that topic. Uh, and, and again, that's why we're not talking about it today. So, so people are frustrated. Why aren't you guys talking about this? Cause a, this is a mailbag and I don't want to completely do this. And then B, I want to have a show dedicated to that when it's official. 
Sure. And and this all kind of really started to kind of come out yesterday and, and especially today. And so we're still doing our digging on on what's next. And so we want to be able to present that in a much more focused manner, which will be easier to do when it's official and we've been able to gather some more. So just a little bit of patience on, on that one. And we'll we'll have plenty to talk about with that. And and uh, same with the strength coach. We'll when that's hired, we'll have a lot more to say about it and we'll have a lot stronger opinion. Cause the one thing I, I'm trying to do, Ryan, with any of these decisions is you're going to have a gut reaction. It's impossible not to have a gut reaction. Sure. But you also need to be willing to do your due diligence to make sure that you go out and say, okay, this is my gut reaction, but let's learn a little bit more and, and see if this is okay. I get it. I see what they're going there because when I, of all the candidates that I heard about that they went after for the strength coach, they are all like very much into what, Marcus Freeman has talked about just the, the modern sports sciences. He wants to be innovative and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a surprise that it, we heard several NFL names on that. I heard the guy from Alabama who's who's that Notre Dame for a year that's very much into like the modern is that Baloo? Yeah, sports science type of stuff. So that's very yeah. much the direction that Marcus Freeman wants to go with the strength program. There's no doubt about it. But we'll we'll learn as much as we can about this and we'll relay it. But you know, that's why we're going to have more dedicated shows for these. So finally, some some other questions starting to go. So, Ryan, yes. with that being said, yep, you ready to jump into the mailbag, man? You ready to rock let's, and roll? Let's do it, folks. Okay. MBs before the question, mailbag yeah. before the question. You guys are welcome to have as much chatter as possible in the chat. But if there's a question that you want us to answer, make sure you distinguish what is a mailbag yep. question and what is not. Let's get started off with a super chat from Raymond Harton. Raymond, what's up, Raymond? This is why, and this is Super Chat, thank you so much for it. This is why you don't take your seatbelt off four miles away from home, LOL. Go Irish, beat the Beavers. That is a very morbid analogy, Raymond, a very morbid analogy. But correct, you got to you gotta finish the deal, man. You got to finish the I, deal. I also didn't know that there was a beaver emoji until right this second. So yeah, I neither did I. Yeah, yeah never used I. a beaver emoji before. Nope, same here. <laughs> Andy Milton fan, what's up, Nathan? Can you rank the 2023-2024 position groups A, 1A, 1B? Well, I, I mean, so we're talking about the team position groups. Is that I was I so, I, 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 I took it question? as I took it as 2023-2024 recruiting classes is how I took it. But yeah, I could have taken it the wrong way. Um, sure. I mean, we're gonna die. So might as well just tell people what we're what our plans are now. So on Wednesday for signing day, we will start at noon. Uh, Ryan and Sean, I might be there for part of it. We'll see how we are just kind of still planning our day, but we are gonna have another jam packed show that's gonna be nothing but interviews with parents and players. I thought that went great last year. It all started with Tyson Ford's mom two years ago. Remember that, Ryan? We had like a couple people on. Tyson Ford's mom was on. She did great. It was a great show. And then so we got a lot of people on last year, and it just was a great show. And so we've got, I mean, Ryan, you sent me the list today. It was like 12, 13 people, I think, already kind of. Now, some of them are really yeah. doing it together, you know, like yep. moms. and Because I thought last year's show, there were so many great moments from last year's show. But, like, my favorite was probably still Christian and Chandra Gray were just awesome. You know, they were so much fun. Uh, I mean, there was great. We had Debbie Odding on last year. She was yep. great. Uh, Glenn, of course, Glenn James, Don Schuler, yeah, Right. Yeah. With Debbie, of course, poor Debbie, at the end of that is the whole Peyton Bowen thing breaks at the end of her, her deal. On, it, it, was, it, was, it was actually at the beginning because she came on as beginning? it was breaking. I was okay. like, oh, Debbie, okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I apologize so much for this. <laughs> so uh, our, sat, our, our signing day show is going to be all about 
uh, that. It's going to be talking about all of that. We're just going to be interviewing people. We're going to let you guys get to know the people. And then Thursday, we will then take our deep dive into the class. We'll break it all down. We'll rank the players. We'll rank the commits. We'll talk about the two-year grades and all those type of things and uh, and have plenty of that. But just kind of surface level, Indy uh, uh, Milton fan, I'd say 23 and 24. So it's, it's, um, I, Ryan, how do you want to handle this? Is, is he saying like compared 23, I, 24, just rank 23? I, I thought he was saying, put them all together. Like, no, I, how, I, how do you I, see it? The way I took it was we go position by position. So we say 2023 quarterback, 2023, uh, 2024 quarterback, which is 1A, which one is 1B, rank it that way is how I gotcha. So let's go quarterback then 23 versus 24. I mean, for me, it's 24 is 1A, 23 is 1B. I love Kenny Minchie, but CJ Carr is just uh, ahead of him where he was right now. I think you could make the case that Kenny has a higher ceiling than CJ. But CJ has an incredibly high floor, in my opinion. And uh, I graded CJ out as a five-star. I graded Kenny out as a top 100 kid, so they're both very good. But um, 2024 gets the edge for me at quarterback, Ryan. Yep. I would would also go with 2024 for all the reasons that you said. I think CJ is just a little bit further along than what Kenny was. I mean – it would have been a really fascinating conversation if if Kenny would have had a full senior year and he was able to play in the All-Star game that year because obviously he missed a lot of time with injury. But it would have been a different conversation. 2024 running back versus 2023 running back I think is a little bit unfair because you're talking about two running backs in 2024 versus just one Jeremiah Love in 2023. Mm-hmm. Now, I would personally say that I think that Jeremiah Love would be my top running back of the two cycles, but I would go with 2024 just because Kedron Young and Aeneas Williams together, that's – a pretty dang good duo so i would take the duo over the one and yeah so to me it's kind of like there's that's where you start getting and it can be difficult sometimes ryan is like you're evaluating a class that had more guys because they needed more guys as opposed to last year's class they didn't need two guys i would say this if we're ranking the three running backs it's jeremiah love one kedron young two aeneas williams three for me uh, they're all very good, but as you said, two versus one, that's what it comes down to. However, they both are going to get the similar grade for me as far as need. Because, they, I mean, they they shot for two backs in last year's class, but it wasn't a need. It was more of a want than anything else. And this year, they needed two backs in the class for a different reason. They got it. So, I mean, but I got to tell you, man, the, the three-year, actually, it's now five-year. For the last five years, Notre Dame is been killing it in recruiting now you could argue you could go back to 2019 but i don't know that a lot of people thought kyron williams was going to be kyron williams and they signed him in 2019 notre dame didn't think that they tried to go get steel chambers there was a lot of other backs before they settled on kyron ended up working out great but man when you look at the last six years kyron williams in 19 chris tyree in 20 audrick estime and logan diggs in 21 jadarian price and jabron Payne in 22 Jeremiah Love in 23, and now Kedron Young and Aeneas Williams is 24. Notre Dame is killing it when it comes to running back recruiting, right? Yeah, it's been wild, man. It really has. I mean, in, I mean, <laughs> you start even looking forward into the future, right? I mean, it's like 2025 with Justin Thurman and Daniel Anderson ain't too bad either, right? Mm-hmm, so running back right. recruiting is not going to be slowing down anytime soon. You, you kind of have a dilemma, though, wide receiver as well, because you have four verse three from 2023 to 2024. 2023. You obviously had Jaden Greathouse, you had Rico Flores Jr., you had Braylon James, and you had Caleb K.K. Smith. That's compared to 2024, who 
is only a three-man class compared to the four. I mean, that three-man class is very impressive, though, obviously with Cam Williams, with Micah Gilbert, who I think had a tremendous senior year, and then obviously what Logan Saldate was able to do as a senior as well. I uh, I would probably end up deferring to 2023 again just because it's four versus three, like ultimately. And I mean, right. the four was it was a really good four, right? Like it was a really, really good four. So I would probably go 2023, but it's not like by this like crazy no. margin, it's right? By like, numbers. It's by really numbers. It's yeah. by numbers. And look, you and I were very high on last year's receiver class. Now it's been it's act and it and and honestly, we're just talking about what signed. That class now includes Jordan Faison. Right. I mean, that's and now it's five versus three. So here's an interesting way of looking at it, Ryan, because I agree with you. Five versus three. I, I Would you agree that of the of the eight, Cam Williams is number one or would you still yes. have Great House ahead of him? Okay. No, I, was, I would have Cam number one. Yes. Same here. Same here. And then I'd probably go like Braylon and, and Great House next. Then Micah, Gil, then Micah, then Logan Saldate for me, then Rico Flores as far as the eight that signed. Um but Logan, Logan Saldate is so underrated, man. He's very much really, so. really good. <laughs> very really, much so. He, he quietly had 1,300 yards this year in the state championship season. Like, yeah. He was so good this year. He's a really good player. Now, the, the other way to look at it, Ryan, is if you look at what the classes are now. So if you look at Jaden Greathouse, K.K. Smith, and Jordan Faison versus Cam Williams, Micah Gilbert, and Logan Saldate, then to me it flips. It's 2024 and I'm, and you know, I'm very high on KK Smith. You know, I've always was very high on KK Smith, but he was the top 150 ish kind of guy. And Jordan Faison coming out of high school would not have graded like Jordan Faison has been a, a, a you and I loved him as a walk-on. I mean, we had him on the sh- last year's show. We had him and Luke Talich on last year's show. We loved the kids film. We praised him that, but I wouldn't have graded him as like a top 150 recruit last year. He was also he was also an option quarterback, so it was right. very hard to grade just right. in general. But so yeah. he's been a a wonderful revelation. I wouldn't say that looking back at the time, I would have been like, "Wow!" But we loved him as a walk on because of his athleticism. Now, knowing what he has become, we're we're in a little bit of a different conversation because he he um he's kind of he's kind of emerged as a pretty good football player. So the 23 class was as good as advertised in a lot of ways, Ryan. We knew Braylon James was going to need time to develop. Jaden Greathouse, when he was healthy, was very good. Rico Flores is, is, is exactly what we thought he was going to be. A savvy guy that lacks big time athleticism, you know? And then of course we never saw any KK Smith because he was injured all year. Uh, But I have heard some really good things about what he's doing in bowl prep. And then, of course, Jaden Jordan Faison has been a, a, a wonderful surprise. So that that class panned out, in, I mean, in, in just one year, in my opinion. Of course, now it's going to look a lot different. If 24 is as good as 23, then they're, they're going to they're gonna provide quite the impact next year if they can say it. Because I, I still would have loved to have seen what Jaden Greathouse's numbers would have looked like this year if the re- receiver room would have stayed healthy. Because I think his injury was was a byproduct of him moving to the boundary and completely changing his route package and then them not properly building him into that. Um, and then of course you look at the other, the other way, uh, the, you know, Jaden Thomas and Dion, if he could have just stayed in the slot all season, you wonder how it would look, but then you also have to ask Ryan, this is the, the but would that have, would then would we have seen Jordan phase on if there weren't it? I mean, so just the whole thing was just kind of wild, but 24 to me is would would probably grade out higher on average player ranking, but if you're taking it as a whole, it's 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 23. Yeah, 
We we do have a fair comparison of twenty on um, tight ends though for twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four because there was one yeah. in each class and that's Cooper Flanagan in twenty twenty three versus Jack Larson in twenty twenty four. Brian, you know I was very high on Cooper Flanagan. Oh, yeah. I really like Flanagan a lot, so I will give the edge to Flanagan yeah. over Larson just because he he kind of fits more the prototype for me sure. personally. So well, I like Jack Larson. I do. He's a good football player. He's very he's become a very underrated part of this class in my opinion. Uh, you know, just has a lot of I've, I've my comp for him has been Nick O'Leary. You know, Nick O'Leary was a not a very sexy player, undersized, not a dynamic athlete, but the dude was just highly productive at Florida State. And Jack's to me reminds me because what did Nick O'Leary have, Ryan? He wasn't very. I mean, you were an NFL draft. I'm sure you broke down him for the draft. Not very tall, not very big, no, not very fast, not super athletic. But what was the one thing he graded out like a first rounder on? That Great dude hands. could freaking catch. Yeah, and that Jack Larson has some of the sickest ball skills you're going to see in, in receiver or tight end that you're going to see in, in the 24 class. I, I just, literally said that in my evaluation that we're working on for signing day. I was like, I think that his ball skills and hand strength is up there with any player in the 2025 cl- 2024 class. And that's not just tight ends, like wide receivers yes. included. That kid 100%. just doesn't doesn't move when he hits his hands, man. He 100%. Just squeezes it. And he's got a lot more proven production than yeah. Cooper had. But Cooper's got some things you can't teach, Ryan. He's 6'6". Six, six, he's 260. He's a quality athlete. He's a great blocker, but he also can be a legitimate pass game weapon. Is he going to be a a fifty catch, eight hundred yard guy? No, I don't know about that. He'd be probably you know fifty catches, six hundred yards. Yeah. But I just I just think overall Cooper's just the more dynamic prospect. But we're going to look back at Jack Larson's career, and he's never going to be a guy that you look at that puts up monster numbers. But you just look and you're like, wow, he had a really productive career, and just quietly. And that's kind of how I see Jack. But yes, it's it's this is a pretty easy call for me having Cooper Flanagan ahead of okay. of uh, of Jack yeah. Larson. The next yeah. one's going to be very interesting, fascinating. Right? Yeah, the offensive line because you're looking at 2023 Charles Jagasaw, who's slated to start in the bowl game at left tackle. You have Sam Pendleton. You have Sullivan Absher. You have Christopher Tarek. You have Joe Otting, which is a very Mm-hmm. Very physical offensive line. It was a lot, of, a lot of size in that last year's class. That's going against a 2024 class of Gearby Lamberts, of Christopher uh, Christopher Tarek, of Anthony Knapp. You have obviously Styles Prescott in the class as well. And I'm missing one player. Why am I missing the play? Oh, Peter Jones. He's mm-hmm. only been in the class for a billion <laughs> years. Ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's the, often forgotten, almost like I just did in the class in 2024. So a little bit of a different class. I feel like there's a little bit more offensive tackle types in 2024 than there was in 2023, naturally. You know, that was one conversation we always had is, you know, like like we thought that Charles Jagasaw could be that guy potentially at offensive tackle. But is anybody else going to stick at offensive tackle long term, whether it would be, you know, a, a obviously a Sullivan Absher was always the conversation mm-hmm. that we had there. 2024. I could see Gerby Lambert staying at offensive tackle, obviously. I could see Styles oh, Prescott. Yeah. I'm not even ruling out that maybe Anthony Knapp could stick at yeah. offensive tackle, potentially. I'm not ruling that one out yet because he does have good foot quickness and decent length for his yeah. height as well. So uh, who knows? I, I could, I would, and I could see yeah. Peter Jones being a tackle in the right offense, just not the yeah, Notre Dame right offense. Tackle. Like an old yeah. school, like power, you know, yep. type of offense. He could play tackle there, but not Notre Dame's offense. He's a he's a really good interior guy. Yes, agreed. Agreed. So so obviously, again, we're going against the numbers. That's five in 2023 versus four offensive linemen in 2024. But it's a very interesting parallel because like Charles Jagasaw and Gerby Lambert are very comparable players as far as 
They are the elite guy in the class. They're the two guys that have the highest upside of the two groups just in general. Like those are the two guys. Other than that, there's some developmental potential with certain mm-hmm. guys. Like I feel like Joe Odding in 2023 is a perfect developmental guy. I think Styles oh, Prescott's yeah. a big developmental guy in 2024 to potentially being a really good player. But then there's just some grinders in both groups as well. You know, like Peter Jones is a grinder. Sam Pendleton was a grinder. Christopher Tarek's a grinder. Like they're just kind of those types of guys. I think I would take 2023, but not by a lot. And yeah. not only just the not, not only just it's not even just the numbers conversation. I'm just looking at like up top when I'm talking about like just say Charles Jagasaw versus Gerby Lambert. I slightly prefer Jagasaw, just slightly. Mm. It wasn't like a yeah. massive gap, but I did per- slightly prefer him. So I'm going to take the top heavy or the, I guess the the depth of 2023 combined with Charles Jagasaw for me. So I have Gearby ahead of Charles by a little bit as a pure tackle. I think Charles could, you know, we talked about Charles as a pure tackle of Gearby slightly ahead, but here's the difference for me, Ryan. Take the five versus four out of it. Here's how I see the two classes and why I take 2023 1A and 2024-1B. I I'm a big fan with offensive linemen of floors. Not ceilings are important, but with offensive line classes, you need floors because if you're bringing a bunch of boomer bust O-line prospects, guess what you're going to have? A very bad offensive line because you're going to have a couple booms and then a bunch of busts. I mean, that's just the way that it is. The floors of last year's class is to me higher. I love Styles Prescott's upside, but I'm much more confident that Sullivan Absher is going to be able to play at this level, right? Uh, I love Peter Jones. Him and Sam Pendleton are very similar players. I just think Sam's a slightly ahead of where Peter is, in my opinion. You know, Joe Odding, I love. I like Joe Odding more than Anthony Knapp. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, but they're both very good players. And then you throw in Christopher Tarek. So it's it's a combination of, of a lot of different things for me that factor into to this conversation. And, um, okay, looks like the uh, Jared Parker stuff is official. So Marcus Freeman just tweeted it out. Okay. So, um, but anyway, uh, so w- when you look at it, Ryan, to me, it, the floor is is the deal. But the other thing too is, but I don't think that necessarily discounts the ceilings from the 23 kids either. I mean, I think Sullivan Abstra is also a very high ceiling, even though I'd say his floor is higher than Styles Prescott. It's not like Styles has an enormously higher ceiling than him. I mean, Sullivan showed up at 6'7", 320. It's a big freaking boy. Do you remember you know? the All-American Bowl last year where they measured him at six foot four and something? <laughs> and I, I I asked Sullivan about it on the practice field, and I was like, I stood next to him. I'm like, you know, I've been body typing for a long time. I'm like, dude, right. you're not six foot four. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what was up with that guy that was measuring, but he was a little bit off. <laughs> I'm like, yes. yeah, he sure he's huge, inches, dude. Like, what? He's huge. Because you saw the picture you took of him and Charles next to each other. I believe that Sullivan was a slightly taller than Jackasaw. Yeah. So, yeah. um, big, big boy right there, Ryan. Big boy. But I, I, I there. here's the thing, though. We'll do two-year grades as part of our post-signing day analysis. The two-year grades on the offensive line is going to be extremely high. Because both of these are very good classes. And here's the extra context of the 24 class. They did that in a year where it's a not a very good line class nationally. And in a year where they had a coaching change. Coaching changes are more devastating to offensive linemen than any other position group, in my opinion. Maybe quarterback is the only other one. But a lot of times, it's really O-line. 
So Coach Eastan did a great job of establishing a foundation with Styles and Gearby and Peter Jones. But Joe Rudolph had to come in and, and really sell his vision as well to keep those kids involved. And obviously, Gearby wasn't committed. Styles wasn't committed yet. And so he kept those guys, kept on those guys, stayed on those guys, got him, and then, of course, went and got Anthony Knapp. So very strong job in year one for Joe Rudolph, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, Ryan, to come yeah. in in your first year as an O-line coach and, 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 and be hired kind of that late because it did yeah. happen kind of late. Yep. Uh, and, and still put together this kind of O-line class in a year where you had to battle like Ohio State and SEC mm-hmm. schools for Gearby. You had to go down to Georgia to get Anthony Knapp. You know, you had yep. to battle. I mean, go look at Styles Prescott's offers, Styles Prescott's offer list that includes Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia. You know what I mean? Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. You had yep. to battle some really good programs to land those kids. So hats off to Joe Ruff. We had some frustrations maybe with the job he did coaching, but – he hit a to me hit a home run when you look at all the context of everything. Ryan, I think he had a home run in his first year. The good news is is that Harry Heastan hit a home run in his last year at Notre Dame. So the future is very very bright. And and as far as meeting needs, I thought getting more pure tackles was important in this class, and they did just that. Agree. So that's that's huge. And and it looks like they might be off to a good start in twenty twenty five. Right. With some early buzz. That's so, right. Yeah. That's right. Let's go uh, D line, Ryan. Yes. Uh, I go 24, 23, 1A, yeah. 24, 1B. It's close, though. Yeah. Uh, it comes down to numbers for me, and I like the potential inside more. I think, th- I think to me, you, you look at this year's class, ha- Bryce Young grades out higher than anybody in last year's class for me uh, because a lot of last year's guys were boomer bus guys, Bubakar, Armel, Guys like that, Brennan Vernon, lower floor, really high ceiling guys. There's some high ceilings in this class too. What it comes down to for me is there's just was a little bit more balance in last year's class, and the ceilings top to bottom were just a little higher in last year's class because you got two interior yeah. prospects last year in Devin Houston and Armel, where this year you only got one. And so to me, numbers plus a little bit more balance inside out, uh, a little, you know. To me, and like, and they both like the one benefit you could give 24 is they definitely had, like, at the time of signing day, I had more questions about do they have a Viper in last year's class? This year, I don't have questions about that. Logan Thomas is a Viper, Bryce Young is a big end, Cole Mullins can do both. Having said that, if you're going to retroactively look at last year's grade, Bubakar's body change has completely change my opinion of last year's class, which makes it hard to deprogram that. Yeah. So I think you could make 24 the 1A based on just where it was signing day, but I'm I'm going to go with floors here on the D-line combined with the inside-out balance was a little bit better. What say you, Ryan? I'm going to go with upsides here. So I'm going to go with the 2023 class because mm-hmm. I think that that class just has a – because I'm a – I'm a, I know people make fun of me, but like I'm a big traits guy on the mm-hmm. defensive line. Like I look for length, I look for explosiveness, I look for twitch. And for me, the 2023 class just had a little bit more of it, just all around, yeah. in my opinion. Not totally, because, you know, Logan Thomas is plenty twitchy. Bryce Young, for his size, is very twitched up. Like there's twitch in the 2024 class as well. I just, I always talked about it with the 2023 class, though. When you just have Brennan Vernon, Armel Mookum, Devin Houston and Bubakar Traore standing next to each other. It's like 
that's that looks like an SEC defensive line, right? Like that's what it's supposed to look like. They mm-hmm. look the parts that you want on the defensive line. So I would go just for the ceilings in that class. I agree with you in the one one fact that Bryce Young would be the number one player in both yeah. classes, in my opinion, based upon what he did as a senior. But I would go with 2023 just because it's how you draw it up, man. It's how you draw it up. And also Armel Mukum ballooning to 280 pounds of good muscle, good weight. Which we thought he could do. We yeah, thought he I could. You know, we thought him or Bubakar, one of those two would would be an inside guy, or Brendan Vernon. Excuse me, one of those three would grow into an inside guy. Now the interesting thing is Bubakar and Brennan apparently took all their weight off and gave it to Armel. Yes, and that's pretty much what happened. Well, I don't know, man. Armel got some good weight though. I don't know if Brennan had some bad weight on his frame yeah. at what point. So I don't I know just if he took any like of Brennan's the, <laughs> LBs, but no. And yeah. Brennan lost a lot of weight and looks yes, a lot did. better now too. You you noticed that body change at the All Star game last year, and he carried that into the yeah. season. He looked like a different um, player. Linebacker Ryan. Yes, I'm going 23-1A, 24-1B. I love the 24 class. You can make a case that Kingston is the best of all of them. But the Kingston, the Drake plus Jaden Osbury to me is better than Kingston plus Bodie, and then I think Preston Zender is a higher, pro, a better prospect than Teddy Rezac. Now they're different players, and I would argue that the twenty-four class has a better chance of fielding a Mike Will Rover than the twenty-three class that probably has three inside guys, and that's a plus for twenty-four. But just Drake Bowen and and, and Jaden Osbury is a one-two punch is just really dynamic for me. And I think Jaden yeah. was my number one player in last year's class. Drake was was number two in last year's class. Yeah. And Bodie is a little bit. Bodie has a very high ceiling, but I just I don't put him on the same level as those two guys as prospects yet. Yeah, I mean we don't have to spend too much time on that. I, I think that linebacker recruiting in twenty. I mean there was a good there was a good conversation that you could have had nationally the 2023 linebacker class was the best linebacker class of anybody in college football that year i mean it was mm-hmm. tremendous so 2023 i do think that the ceilings are very comparable ultimately in the yep. ends but just for what they where they are now as football players i would say 2023 as well yeah yeah it's floor versus ceiling both have great ceilings 23 has higher floor it's a good way of putting it cornerback uh this one is now a lot closer for me than it was yep. three months ago because yeah. of how good Carson Hobbs was as a senior. And honestly, I'm a little torn on this one, Ryan. The best player of the four is Christian Gray. Like, he's the best of the four. But I'd probably grade out Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs ahead of Micah Bell. And, I would as well, which yeah. is why I would defer to 2024 personally. Yeah. I, I really like the potential of Micah Bell, but he was always going to need time right. as a corner, right? Like, he was always going to need developmental time. And I remember seeing him down in, in San Antonio. It was just like, you can see it all there, right? But there's also a long way to go. And he's a smaller guy as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 5'9", and he's not the biggest guy of all time. Carson Hobbs is six foot, six foot plus. Uh, Leonard Moore is 6'1", plus with length for days. I, I think both of those players are potential top 150 players. And while they might not be quite Christian Gray, I think that I will take the depth. I will take the overall, just kind of average per average star per player or whatever, however you want to pronounce it. The 2024 class I would give there. Safety. Um, I'm also going 23 there as well because uh, I count Luke Talich. Like, like Luke Talich is a little different than Jordan Faison because we knew that Notre Dame viewed him as a scholarship player. 
we always knew a scholarship was going to come to Luke Talich sooner rather than later. That was always something we assumed was going to happen. When we evaluated the class, we kind of viewed him as part of that class. And Bronte Johnson has the highest ceiling of all six of the safeties. There's no doubt about that to me. But that class of Adon and Ben and Luke is just really good if Ben can stay healthy. And Adon has the highest floor of anybody in this conversation, like by a mile, in my opinion. And that's me going off of his high school evaluation, not even looking at how much better he's been here at Notre Dame. So with Kennedy and Tabron, there's some potential there, but it's it's there's a lot of projection there where I feel like the floors of the three kids, I mean, Luke Talitz was your, was your, you know, I don't know that Luke Talitz would have, um, I don't know that Luke Talitz would have graded below Ben Minnick if we were added him to our actual grades. Cause when we did grades last year, we, we only did the scholarship kids. I don't know that I would have necessarily just off my gut. I never graded Luke Talitz. If he would have, would have been lower than Ben Minnick just because of the size and the athleticism. And it looks like he's, going to stay at safety for now like they really like him there so i'd go i'd give the edge to 2023 because again the floors are a lot higher if you want to get into a floor versus ceiling conversation then i could hear you make a pitch for 2024 because i do think the ceilings in 24 are higher well i i think that 2024 my opinion on the safety class has changed a little bit because i thought tabor and benny powell had a really nice senior year and he showed a lot of growth I wanted to see more from Kennedy. I, I I felt like he had a good senior year. I wasn't. I just wanted a little bit more of a jump personally. Twenty twenty three though, I would just ultimately take because, I mean, I, I don't even need to include Luke Talich. Like I just think that it was just a higher floor class of Don Schuler and Ben Minnick. Like they were just both. They both had very good senior seasons. I know what to expect from them, and I think they both can really play and and be assets to this team. I still have questions as far as what the ceiling of a Kenny Urlacher or Tabron Benny Powell is, I think. And the other part of it is 2024, you could say, and I agree that the top overall ceiling is in the two classes is Bronte Johnson. There's no doubt, but that one also needs some projection, you know, as far as the filling out the frame and staying healthy and doing all those types of things. So give me 2023 in that conversation as well. So that's, uh, that's it, Ryan. That's, that's 23 verse 24. So Good, good question. I think you got your money's worth on that one, Andy Milton fan. There's no doubt about it, buddy. It was only 199, man. You should have made a little more yeah, for that seriously, one. Seriously, man, you <laughs> you owe us a little bit. <laughs> you shortchange us on that one. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. There's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. 
Irish. This is the best time of the year. It's bowl season and Christmas is right around the corner. So whether you're looking for tickets to the Sun Bowl to watch Notre Dame take on Oregon State or looking for tickets to a Christmas concert or comedy show or just looking for a great last-minute gift, Game Time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Iden Banami, thank you so much. Appreciate the super chat. Cam Hart, Audric Estime, letters, the best I've seen. Love them. He's referring to what the things yeah. that they released. Uh, two great kids, so it's not surprising. Like I'm, I'm going to have an article coming out here in a little bit, Ryan, talking about the one of those replace and reload articles about cornerback. And I was like, talent-wise, Notre Dame probably be okay at cornerback next year. But what people don't realize about Cam Hart is Cam Hart was it was one of the true team leaders they had this year. You know, he was one of the guys who would get up in front of the entire team and be like, hey, you know, like so they didn't have a lot of those guys. They need more of those guys. But one guy they did have in 2023, it's Cam Hart. And just a tremendous two, two just great kids, Ryan. I mean, very easy to root for. Cause I said this in a tweet when Audric declared, you know, our job, we're supposed to be objective and and not pick favorites, but it's we're human beings also. And there's just some kids you're like, man, I just I just really hope this kid pans out because he's a phenomenal kid. And both of those kids fit into that category and uh, they'll be missed. They'll certainly be missed as young men, you know, as young men. They'll definitely be missed. Agreed. We had another super chat from Iden. Thank you so much. So Josh pays Josh Pate's given Notre Dame props on our transfer portal moves and ability as he should. Notre Dame has been very good and very active in the portal. And it's been, I, I mean, hey, guys, like the, Notre Dame's not going to rank number one in the portal because a part of that is like numbers, right? And Colorado's going to bring yeah. in like 60 guys. So like that's right. why, whatever. But the quality Notre Dame has gotten in the portal so far from Riley Leonard down to Jordan Clark, yeah. like, they've done some really and, good things. And some so of those far. rankings are a little absurd. You know, like they're ranking some like I saw one that had Raymond Cottrell ranked ahead of Chris Mitchell. Like that's nothing but based on high school rankings. That's Raymond Cottrell caught one pass at Texas A&M this year. One pass. Aiden Childs on 247 is the top-ranked portal quarterback. Guys, Ryan and I have been talking about Aiden Childs since last year. We love that kid. Tons of – but he should not be ranked as the number one portal quarterback in this class because he's never done anything, right? And so, uh, you know, yeah. Yep. That – that um 
good for him for recognizing that they got they got to support their evaluations man i guess support their evaluations yes yeah sure even though i don't think they had they didn't even have raymond control rated that high did they wasn't he like barely a top 250 kid by them i I could buy some yeah let me look at that one actually um it's kind of a weird one though yeah it just yeah it's the whole thing's weird did i pull up another one let me see here yeah, I did. I'm sorry you did. I, I didn't win. I'm sorry. Back to back to back for mine. Thank you so much. Bold prediction. Not worried about the offensive line. Offensive line will be good. I, I hope you're right. I mean, look, the, here's the here's thing we'll agree on, Ryan, and this can be brief. There's no question Notre Dame's going to have a very talented offensive line next year. But talented offensive line doesn't equal productive offensive line. That's going to be determined by the work the players put in and the job Joe Rudolph does developing them. But especially now that Jagasaw's already emerged as a starting left tackle already, I feel a lot better about it. There's going to be some ups and downs. I have no doubt about the talent. It's just we're going to have to prepare ourselves for some little bit more inconsistency than we'd like. But this year's offensive line is pretty inconsistent as well. But, man, it's going to be a very talented offensive line next year, in my opinion. Definitely going to be more talented up the middle. Yeah. Not a tackle, maybe, but definitely up the middle. Well, I was going to say overall, it might be more talented than this year's just overall, yeah. right? And I mean, and honestly, like, you know, losing a guy like a Joe Alt is a massive yeah. loss, obviously, right? But it's not like you're not replacing him with a really talented football right. player. I mean, it, it, well, there's it's not like inconceivable to think that Charles Jagginsaw can't be that guy eventually. Like, it's not inconceivable to believe that. So yeah. Notre Dame is going to be very very talented on the offensive line again why was it riley leonard a big a big get for notre dame in the portal it's because those bumps in the road for the offensive line early on in the season last year uh, a really athletic quarterback can help to alleviate a little bit of that stress and that pressure off the offensive line so if you're starting charles jagasaw and maybe a meal a meal wagner and you're starting you know the interior guys of billy shrout and ashton craig and those guys like notre dame's gonna have plenty of talent on offensive line next year they're developed properly it's, it's going to be your typical, very talented offensive line Notre Dame. Is it going to be young and inexperienced? Yes, it is. But, I mean, everyone has to get experience some, somehow, some way, at some point, right? So we'll see. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I'll ask this next one, Ryan, because okay. this is more of a – this is for you. This is from Brandon Plenzner with Super Chat. Thank you, Brandon. Ryan, with the portal safeties, uh, Achille Arnold, who's going to USC, Andrew Makuba, did he announce for Texas – I, I think I know he was on a visit to Texas. Okay. I didn't see if he officially announced yet. But and then yeah. Savage now off the board. Do you think Notre Dame waits? Yeah. I don't know where he went. Do you I think I, I, there was a report that he was heavily leaning towards Oregon. I don't know okay. if he made that official, but yeah. Do you think Notre Dame waits until after the bowl season or spring portal period to get a safety? I mean, Brennan, I just don't like I, I've been like constantly checking updates on like safeties in the portal. I just don't know if there's a guy right now, man, that I love. Like I would have looked at Kobe Savage from Kansas State. That was a guy that like I would have looked at. Right. But now seemingly going to Oregon, I'm just not sure if there's a guy right now that like gets me super pumped. And we need to remember that this isn't the only guys that are going to be, you know, when the portal closes here soon. Right. This isn't the only portal players that we'll ever see before next season. Right. Like there are going to be players that will be jumping in in the future, obviously. So I think, I don't know, Brian, like this is pure speculation on my part, but I feel like Notre Dame maybe should just like stay a little bit patient with the safety process right now, because I just don't think forcing a okay player into a spot is necessarily the way to go right now. Right. I'll say this too, Ryan, are any of those guys that even we talked about good enough to pay what you need to pay to get them to come? Like, cause like, 
what, that, what that, you know that, that's why the kobe like, savage one was weird to me man because i thought that I, I didn't expect that kid to be a uh right to be a yeah give him a lot of money you're in a great up. situation at kansas state you're jumping in the portal to get money you know and andrew makuba you could say is a little bit different you know he's going back home you know but like Achille Arnold, you kind of understand because, you know, or the uncertainty about the Oregon State program. I mean, some of them you can understand, but the reality is you're going to have to pay six figures to get those kids there. And I don't know that any of them necessarily excite me that much uh, to do that. And and so and I also know that the Notre Dame staff really likes their younger safeties. And so, you know, we'll we'll see. But I, I also think there's some good I, I'm hoping this is more Brian Driscoll projecting his wishes onto Notre Dame. I'm still hoping they they move Clarence Lewis to safety. I still think that's one of the answers that they could find at safety is to move Clarence Lewis to safety to improve the depth at that position. I still think yeah, kid could be a pretty pretty quality safety if if he's willing to make that move. I just don't know if he is or if they're willing to do it. So, yeah. Safety's going to be interesting. I didn't with Very. another one. I didn't. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate all the super chats. Saw parents were allowed to attend practice. That's really awesome and special for the parents in my opinion. What a great week with signing day and Christmas gap closing yes sir love it yeah it was cool seeing some of the parents be yeah. either like debbie Otting, i know posted a picture mm-hmm. which was pretty dope boy joe's filling out though right yeah. i mean it's did good. you see that big picture he's definitely it's filling out man goodness yes he, he sure is brandon Plesner with another one do you think notre dame now pulls the trigger on offering eugene hilton now that uh, mike brown has officially been hired he's an in-state kid that was very high on wisconsin is he a 24 kid I think he's a 2024 kid. I yeah, I just I, I'm looking now. Uh, he's a oh, that's a different kid. It, hold on, they say Eugene Wilson Hilton. Okay, Hilton. that's that's T Y Hilton's kid. Oh, um, yeah, I remember him then. Yeah, I'm just trying to see what he's a 25 he's kid then, right? He's 25 kid. Yeah, he's 25 kid. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen enough of him honestly to say that. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I look. There's board's going to get shaken up a little bit. There's going to be some kids that that. Um, that Chancey Stuckey liked more that Mike Brown won't. Will Eugene Hilton be one of those? I don't know. I'd have to watch him again. I haven't watched him in a year when he was a sophomore, mm, freshman, maybe. I can't, but like, so it, it would be unfair for me to say that. I don't know. But if he's, if he was high yeah. on him in Wisconsin, I think you at least look at him. And but it's not we, just only yeah. your decision either, Ryan. I mean, this, yes. this the head coach, recruiting coordinator, and OC also have to be on board as well. At least they should be. It should not yep. position coaches should not have a hundred percent autonomy on who they recruit to their positions. I just don't believe that. You Agreed. Know. Agreed. And we're gonna, like you said, I think there's gonna be a little bit of a shakeup. I mean, we knew that there was already Notre Dame was already doing their homework and doing their due diligence on Raiden Vines Brights, who was offered yesterday before Mike Brown was even hired, but. I know. I think then the board will expand most likely a little bit, and the priorities will shift a little bit. So Notre Dame wide receiver recruiting in twenty twenty five is is going to be looking a little different than what we thought it might probably over the last couple weeks, couple months, yeah. I should say. Here's one, Ryan, that you and I are, I think are going to disagree on a little bit. Yes, we are. We are hundred percent are because I think I saw your tweet about this. Yeah. Tyler Evans with the super chat. Thank you, Tyler. Tom Evan is the defensive coordinator at Penn State. What do you think of the hire? Go ahead, Ryan. You can start off. I didn't do anything for me personally. I, I love the offensive coordinator hire. I thought Andy Kultanecki as the offensive coordinator for a team that really needs a little bit of creativity and better scheme. Like I thought it was really good hire, a little bit more aggressiveness on that side of the football. Defensive coordinator wise, 
I compare it to where you were. I thought Manny Diaz was a, a very good defense coordinator. I think he was a very good defense coordinator. I have questions with him about it as a head coach personally. And, and I like Tom Allen as a person. I think that as a person, it's, he's a great guy. I mean, I've heard nothing but growing, glowing reviews about Tom Allen. It just didn't get me excited in any way. Like, I'm not saying he'd be bad. I'm not sitting here like, oh, man, that's a terrible hire. It just didn't move the needle for me personally. Like, I just looked at him just like, eh, okay, sure. Tom Allen, why not? Okay. I'm very high. I like Tom Allen a lot as a, as a defensive coach. I thought he was a very good position coach back in the day. I thought he did a really nice job at South Florida in his one year. Uh, came to Indiana in 2016 as the D coordinator, and they gave up 27.2 points per game. But here's the thing. They gave up 37 the year before. They shaved like 10 off. And I thought he, I just think he's a good defensive coach. I, I, I think he's a good recruiter. Uh, I mean, Indiana the last few years at times, you know, before the last few years, I should say, was having some pretty good defenses, like 19 and 20. Their defenses were really good. And and then, of course, the the struggles happened as coach, and they just couldn't get the players in that they needed. And they've never really been the same program since the, the COVID year. Not saying it was because of COVID, just that's the timeline. The last three years they've struggled. But I really like him as a defensive coordinator. I think that he's a very good recruiter, and I'm just not as high on Manny Diaz. I think the defense at Penn State this year was very, very good. But I just when I watch it, I just think it was more you just have better players than everybody you face. I mean, there's a reason that like four of the top five scoring defenses in college football this year were in the Big Ten. It's because offenses in the Big Ten sucked this year, right? And and when you have that many NFL players, if you can't put a top five defense on the field, get playing in the Big Ten schedule, and your tough non-conference is West Virginia, you know what I mean? Uh, so I just have, and that's partly my, I just have never been a big fan of Manny Diaz, to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I think Tom Allen will do a really nice job there. I really like that hire. My overall point was as a as coordinators. They've upgraded their coordinator situation for me because I think for me, at worst, it's a wash with Tom Allen and Manny Diaz. I actually like Tom Allen more, but the offensive coordinator hire is a is is I was never big into your such as a hire. I didn't think he did it like a lot of his success at Oklahoma State was building off of what was there before him. Like they were great during that Brandon Whedon era. And then he kind of comes in and they were good. But a lot of it's like, you know, you were not as good as you had been. You know, and I, I didn't love it. And he was at Texas for a, what a year. Didn't really like what I saw from him there. And and you know, I, I thought he got a bad rap this year. I think James Franklin is a bigger problem than 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 Mike. Yeah. You know, he was, the, he was the fall guy this year. He was the exactly. Fall guy. But yeah. I was never blown away with him as a coach. I mean, I think the, I don't think Phil Troutwine has done a very good job with their offensive line. It's it's kind of hard to run an offense when your offensive line's not very good. And they, you know, like they regressed. There's just a lot of regression there this year. But to your point, though, Ryan, what that cat has done at Indiana, at Kansas, with not a lot of like elite talent, yeah, he's had good talent. Don't I mean they're running back this year is a really good football player, Jalen. But Jalen, yeah. they they did what they did on offense this year, Ryan, with Jason Bean playing the prior, pro, majority of the year at quarterback. Jason Bean was so, actually very productive in that. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. again is saying something. And their number one receivers like yeah. Lawrence Arnold or something right. like okay, right. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it, you know, you look at them; their top three receivers average sixteen point nine yards per catch or higher. You know, there's there's a lot of big play aspects to what they do. And then you know, you look at Penn State and their top three receivers average twelve point seven, ten point two, and ten point two yards <laughs> per catch. Right. Um, it just it's going to be a much more dynamic offense. Now, I'm curious to see how the transition is going to go with Drew Owler and things like that, you know, but 
but from the standpoint of just schematically. And the other thing, too, I like about, about him, Ryan, is you know he had to get a little gimmicky at Kansas because you have to at Kansas. But at the end of the day, he wants to run a football. You know, and and when you give him the kind of talent he's going to have at Penn State, I think you're going to see the run game production really take off even more so than than what what we saw. Because I mean, that's the thing about Kansas this year, right? They they ran over over 200 yards a game at Kansas. Yeah, they, I mean, they had Devin Neal, who's one yeah. of the best running backs in the country, yeah. and then they, the Henshaw kid, the backup's not yeah. a bad player. He, he had 600 yards this year, Ryan. I he's mean, solid. you know, so so you do all that. And both quarterbacks could run too. Yeah. Jason Bean can run, and yeah. Jalen Daniels is a very good athlete. But as like well, he so. doesn't his the way his scheme to me will transition fine to Drew Allert quarterback, who's not a runner, because they don't need the quarterback run to be productive. Their top two just pure running backs this year uh, rush for over for let's see about seventeen hundred yards and twenty three touchdowns. Jason Bean was a two fifty nine rushing. He didn't. They didn't run into a ton with him this year because the problem that they had is they couldn't use Jason Bean as much in the run game as as the, as we saw with them last year because if he gets hurt, you're screwed. I mean, they couldn't afford to expose him to as many hits as maybe you would otherwise need him to get the most out of Jason Bean. Yeah. Who before Jalen Daniels got hurt again, they had moved to receiver. Yes. So who's starting to cross train a receiver, and so they were in a really tough spot. So he showed me this year that he doesn't necessarily need the quarterback running to get a really good run game. And and so now you give him Nicholas Singleton and the other running backs they have. Keytron Allen, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Bean apparently ran like 10-5 in the 100-meter coming out. He can out run. Of that kick oh, he fly. can run. It's, fun. it's funny. Yeah, very and, long strider too, man. Penn State needs to figure out how to get Nick Singleton going because he had it. Well, he had a sophomore slump because I think that they didn't put him yeah. in a good position to be. Every game, I just felt like it was just like Nick A or B gap, just run downhill, and I'm just like, why are we not trying to get this kid in space a little yeah. bit? He's pretty dynamic, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Katron Allen had a pretty solid year, if I remember correctly, though, as far as like yards per carry. Yeah, I mean they so. they were both. I mean they they weren't super productive, but. I mean, you could watch them play, and you're just like, dude, this is just – I don't know what's going on up front. But, yeah, Catron Allen actually led him in rushing this year. He's 5.3 per carry, you know. Um, they're the number three leading rusher this year, Ryan, was their backup quarterback. I mean, Penn State only rushed for 100 they, – they rushed for 186 yards per game this year. But if you broke them down and watched them play, it was 260-46 against UMass. They ran for a bunch against Rutgers and, and Michigan State. You know, but like forty nine against Ohio State, one thirty two against Indiana. Yeah, it wasn't efficient like, at all. Yeah, not at all. I mean, they ran for one sixty four against against Illinois, but they did it on forty carries. They ran for two fifteen against Iowa, but they did it on fifty seven carries, three point eight yeah. yards per carry. It just it wasn't pretty. I think they're they, they, so. See, the last two games they went over six. They only went over five yards of carry four times last year. One of them was against Delaware. They had three hundred fifteen rushing yards against Delaware on 60 carries that's just we have better players than you that's really all that boils down to for me and they, so. and they probably don't have trust in their quarterback is also probably no. what this is, but, yeah. that's also true also yeah. true all right joe allen what's up joe what do you know about the strength and conditioning coach how big of a win was it for notre dame i don't know that i can call it a win or a loss joe i just don't know enough about him I mean, I'll just tell you right now, my biggest concern is this is a guy that's only been in a team setting for, I have to learn more about his background, but he'd been doing private training most of his career. 
and then he kind of jumped into the team setting with the Broncos the last five years. I don't know how to evaluate the job he did in the NFL because in the NFL, strength coaches are not nearly as important in the NFL as they are in college just because they have so little time where it's just like the whole summer and winter are dedicated to you're going to spend way more time with your strength coach than you do coaches. Ryan, I think in the NFL, it's like, what, two, three weeks is the most you get where it's just dedicated to the strength program, you know, and and so it's just a different animal. So it's it's there's a lot of projection here. It could end up being a great hire, Ryan, for all I know. I, I just, I, it, it, there's some things I hear about him that I really like. And there's some things I hear about him that I'm like, it's not that I, it's not that I dislike what I've heard. It's the unknown of what we see. Right. And, and that's, that's the troubling part for me. So this is a risky hire. I hope it pays off. I mean, this sure. is a very important hire. I hope it pays off. And I'm listening to the guy do interviews. And I'm like, if I was a head coach, I'd be very impressed with the things he's telling me and the things he believes in. It all sounds good. But, you know, and the other thing too is training an NFL team is a whole different animal than training the college team just from a schedule standpoint and a number standpoint. I mean, the most you'll ever have in the NFL is what? Like in the 80s? Like when you're in your like mini camps and you've got like all the undrafted free agents and, you know, like, yeah, like the, I mean, you're, you're not getting over a hundred. It's you? like 90. I think yeah. it's like 90. Yeah. So it's like, but now you're like, you're a hundred plus year round when you include like walk-ons yeah. and stuff. And then by the time you get down to the season, you're at like what? 60, 65, seven, somewhere around there. You know, it's just a different animal, man. Yeah. It, uh, Cause they, they pushed the number. It was, so it's a 53 man roster, but then obviously you have the, you have the practice squatters as well, but now I think I think you're allowed 15 practice squad guys now, if I remember correctly, because it raised during the, the COVID stuff and everything. But it's um yeah, we'll see. I don't know, I don't know anything about the guy other than he was with the Denver Broncos for a little bit. And I've heard I've re- I've listened to a couple interviews he's done, but otherwise I need to dive into his successes and his track record and that type of stuff. I mean, if you look at some of the guys he's trained, I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey, it's the Jensen offensive line. I mean, there's some big time name Von Miller. I mean, you know, there's some big time, but, but training one dude is a whole lot different than training an entire team over the course of the year. And and that's my thing. And especially training, you know, he's taking adults, you know, juniors and seniors in Mm -hmm. college and training them for the NFL draft and and, in the NFL and, that's different than taking a 17, 18 year old kid. Sometimes in cases you're getting 16 year old kids. Like we saw with Jeremiah Usuko or Moa. We saw that with Romeo Aguara where you're getting really young kids and you're, you're going to treat them differently than you have to treat a 22 year old rookie. It's just a different animal. How you treat a rookie is going to be a lot different than how you treat a freshman. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Like, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, their bodies are just different places. So it's a, it's a, it's a risky hire. But you hear enough good things about him, you're like, if it pays off, great. But I just can't I, – I don't know enough about him to be able to say for sure, oh, yeah, it's a great hire. I just – I got some reservations, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic is the best the best that I could put, put it right. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Isaiah Lehman. Thank you so much, Isaiah. I know Devin Houston was a beast in high school and a big recruit. How has he come along this season? And do we see him getting playing time next year? We saw him a little bit this year, obviously, at yeah. the end of the, what was it, the week forest game was, was yeah. when he popped he in there. Good. Yeah, man. He looked, looked good. good. Well, the thing that hurt him, Ryan, obviously, is him getting hurt in, in you know when he first got here. And so he missed all, almost all of spring. That put him back a little bit. And he's at a depth chart that's really deep. 
but we've seen some really good things to him. I've talked to people around the program. They really like how he kind of came along during the season. So there's very high hopes for Devin. There's no doubt. And he, and he presents a different type of body than some of the other, you know, he, he's, he's got more of a, he's more Riley Mills than he is Howard Cross body type wise. I'm not saying he's like Riley. They're different, but he's six, four and a half long arms, you know, good athlete, power profile type of thing. Then he's a, you know, then he is Howard Cross or Donovan Heinish. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of a need for more of that in the lineup. So, you know, I'm sure he'll get a shot to, to work for playing time, but he's a guy that you're going to definitely need Ryan, when you fast forward to 2025, like they got to keep Devin happy, keep him developed because you're going to lose Riley Mills after this year. You're going to lose Howard Cross after this year. You're going to lose Gabriel Robio after this year. Cause he's played all four years. He'll have played all four years in Notre Dame. And so you're at least going to lose those three. Do you bring back Jason Onye for a fifth year? you know, and then Donovan Heinish, and then it's the current young players. So you're going to, whether or not he plays a lot this year, there's going to come a time in the very near future where Devin Houston can be a starter for you as a redshirt sophomore, potentially. So you're definitely going to need him at some point soon. Weird times that we're in a world where Riley Mills, I'm sorry, Gabriel Rubio and Howard Cross are going to exhaust their eligibility after the same season. It is just a wild, they were wild world. And, and it, Two years it, apart, I, right? I like the way you put that, exhausted yeah. their eligibility. It's not like a guy left early for the draft. They're two whole classes apart. Gabriel was – actually, hold on a second. Uh, yeah, Howard was 19. For a second, I was thinking Howard was in the 18 class, and he was in the 19 class. Adam Miola was in the 18 class. But, yes, you are correct. It's um, it's going to be interesting. So yeah, The COVID stuff has jacked everything up, man. Because like because COVID, if if not for COVID, Riley and Howard are both gone. Because Riley played all four years at Notre Dame. He's like Kurt Heinisch. He, you know, Kurt Heinisch got a fifth year in 2022 because of or was it yeah, 2022, 17, 18, 19, 2020. No, 2021 was Kurt's last year because of COVID. Kurt played as a freshman. I mean, he played yeah. all five years at Notre Dame. He played in like almost 60 games in Notre Dame. But the COVID year gave him an extra year, and that's how Riley is. You, you also wouldn't have Javante Jean-Baptiste this year as well if he right. didn't have COVID. So That's right. Yeah. And some, have, let me say, some of the portal concerns that people have would have been different too. There, there would have been no option for Chris Tyree to come back or Zeke Carell to come back if if it wasn't for that. I mean, so that, that's, that factors into this stuff. Or Maris to declare for the NFL draft. I mean, there's yeah. no decision to make if it's not sure. for COVID. Maris is a fifth-year senior. Yep, agree. Wyatt Kerwin, Wyatt, thank you so much. Hypothetically, let's say Notre Dame has Harrison Smith, Robert Blanton, Aaron Lynch, and Michael Floyd back as starters for the 2012 season. How do you think the national championship game against Alabama would have gone? Better or similar? A lot better. Sure. <laughs> I mean, number one, Harrison Smith, Michael Floyd are two first-round draft picks. If Aaron Lynch came back to Notre Dame in 2012, what does that mean, right? It means he grew up as a, in his head, and he's more mature, and he would have been a stud. Him and Stephon Tuitt, Capron Lewis Moore, and Lewis Nix and Sheldon Day on that D line. Yeah, they could have they could have done some things. And and but the other one, the biggest one on there for me, Harrison Smith is is number two. The biggest one on there for me is Michael Floyd. Because if you'd have had Michael Floyd and Tyler Eifert, you've got two dudes. Because Alabama could just take Michael Tyler Eifert out of the game. They put D Milner on him and then they bracketed him. They can just take him out of the game and say, we're going to dare you to beat us with DeVars, Daniels, and TJ Jones, and those guys weren't good enough. Now, DeVars put up good numbers, but a lot of that came after the game was kind of, you know, out of hand. 
But you put Michael Floyd out there on the opposite side of Tyler Eifert. And now does Notre Dame win? I don't know about that, but that would have been a very interesting because then you'd have had maybe Bennett Jackson as your nickel. You'd have had Robert Blanton as your boundary, Kavari as your field, and then maybe, you know, maybe uh Bennett Jackson's your nickel instead of Elijah Shoemate that season. You know, you'd have had you wouldn't have been starting Matthias Farley and as a redshirt freshman, you'd have been had Harrison Smith. Yeah, that would have changed some things. Would it have been good enough to beat Bama? Don't know. But it but to me, it would have been a much more competitive game. If you just gave them Michael Floyd, I think that game looks different because Notre Dame could have moved the ball on Bama with both of them, with both Eifert and Floyd. Would it have been enough to win? No, Bama still would have won by two touchdowns, but it would have been like 42 to 27 or 28 instead of 42 to 14 if you had Michael Floyd and Tyler Eifert. But with those defensive players, yeah, that would have been a much more competitive game in my opinion. It's a pretty easy question for me. Why would it have been better? Yes, it would have been better. Anytime you ask, anytime you dump four very good football players onto one team, that helps to improve their odds, right? Absolutely. How much it would improve, that's a question that I think is a little bit more deep and a little bit more of analysis that goes into it. But if you had, yes, if you had Harrison Smith, Robert Bland, Aaron Lynch, and Michael Floyd on the 2012 team, they would have definitely had a better chance. There's no doubt about that. Got another one from Wyatt. Why it says, just wondering how you would compare Isaiah Canyon and his replacement in the 2024 class, Logan Saldate, in terms of the type of receiver they are, floor versus ceiling, upside, etc. Well, let's begin with this. So first of all, I have Isaiah Canyon has, I did not watch his senior film, so I can't evaluate them on the same level in that regard. But as a junior, Ryan, you know, I loved Isaiah Canyon. We both did. Very talented player, very high ceiling, but they're incredible incredibly different players so when going from from and i'll say this and i'm curious what you think about this ryan going from from isaiah canyon to logan saldate was a step down in just size length and upside however if you're talking about building a better complementary receiving class logan saldate provides a better complement to what you what you have with the other two than what Isaiah Canyon did. Because they were all kind of 6'1 plus, 6'2 plus, outside type of receivers. Micah Gilbert could have played the slot. But you had you know, you know had a lot of outside nut. Where now, Micah Gilbert can be more of an outside, inside kind of guy. And you've got Logan Saldate that can be a ZF type of player as well. Which is slot outside guy. So it, it to me, they, they kind of fit together a little bit more better here. But based on junior film, I thought Isaiah Canyon was the better prospect, but they're very different. And, and, I, and I think that was intentional why after losing Isaiah, they went after a guy like Logan because they did prefer to add a, a, a complimentary piece to the mix. Because when they got Isaiah Canyon, they were way behind on Micah Gilbert. They, they were trailing Michigan big time. They knocked that visit out of the park and ended up getting him, and they were fine with it, but they were looking at maybe a fourth receiver that brought some of that to the table, although they weren't necessarily keen on looking for four receivers. So it ended up working out okay, in my opinion. Although, yeah, i very high on Isaiah Canyon's talent. I, I don't know what he did as a senior, Ryan. I didn't watch him as a senior because he was going somewhere else. But as a junior, I loved his upside a ton. Yeah, And he could have moved to safety. I didn't see much about He's him. He's a pretty good DB too, man. He could have moved to safety and been a pretty darn good safety in college as well, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. I, I, yeah, I haven't seen any of Isaiah Canyon as a senior because, you know, he's sure he'll be a great player at Georgia Tech, but it doesn't concern me any anymore. You know what I mean? So, right. 
Logan Saldate, I think, is a very good fit for the Notre Dame class. You have two true, more more true outside receivers, and now you have your dynamic slot, who gives you a lot after the catch. And there is so, that's one element to the game. I think that Notre Dame needs to get a little bit more of the guys that can kind of create more after the catch. And I think Logan Saldate immediately brings that to the table. I really like the kid's senior film, man. I thought he really had a great year. So yeah, I'm in on I'm in on Saldate. I'm in on him. It's what it is, Ryan. It's like this is what you got to do as a coaching staff, right? Man, it sucks you lost Will Shipley, and and it's like, well, guess they didn't do so bad. No, they did a bad job finishing on Will, closing on Will Shipley. They did, they they didn't do it. They didn't. It wasn't that they missed on him, but it's like you did not have a board to go to. Now, yes, you recovered well, but just because you recovered well doesn't make your strategy effective. What I've liked about what this staff has done and what's important to, to a coaching staff is you're going to have misses. You're going to have misses you don't think you're going to have. It's what do you do about it? Losing Will Shipley was big for Notre Dame, but they they battled back and they ended up getting Andre Kestaman and Logan Diggs. That's the, that's the key, Ryan, is if you lose a guy, okay, it sucks, but what do you replace him with? And again, I, I'm not happy they lost Isaiah Canyon. I think he was an incredibly talented player. But they countered, and it's like when you heard about Logan Saldate, you're going to flip him from Morgan. Say, I'm like, what the heck? Then you pop into the like, this kid's a pretty good football player. You know, we graded him out as a four-star when we first saw him. And then he comes out as a senior, and it's like game goes up even higher. And to the point now where I view him as a top 150 caliber guy now, Ryan. I mean, I, that's how I graded him off senior film. I think he's a really good football player. So, uh, yeah, it sucks to lose Isaiah Canyon, but they got a pretty darn good football player in this place, and that's the key. You're going to lose kids, but what do you replace them with? And Notre Dame did a great job in that regard, in my opinion. We had God Country Notre Dame Barbecue had a question. What's your Christmas food traditions? I like entrees and dessert, entree and dessert. I have a lot of Italians on my dad's side, so we have the Feast of the Seven Fishes and, of course, homemade cannoli and tiramisu. My wife would very much like to have Christmas at your family's house because she's a very much Italian food anyway. She would love the tiramisu and the cannoli. There was a restaurant in town here, Ryan, and I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was really good. They they closed because of COVID. They just lost all their business because of COVID. Simonini Grill. And they it was an Italian place, and they made everything fresh there. It was like locally fo- sourced meat. They made their pasta noodles in-house. Like They made their cheese in-house. And so my wife is a big fan of that place. But, uh, you know, we growing up, we always did like basically like another version of Thanksgiving dinner on Christmas. Ange and I have done, um, you know, we do lasagna, you know, because she really likes my lasagna. I don't know if we'll do it this year because she's um, her diet's changed a little bit. But, um, yeah, we always just kind of did something more, you know, like that on Christmas. But the big thing we always did on Christmas was um, cinnamon rolls for in the morning was always a kind of tradition for us, you know, before we open presents and stuff like, like that's what kids need right before they're about to open presents is a lot of sugar, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So if they're not already excited enough, anything for you guys? Uh, We stay over my in-laws house and we do a big breakfast in the morning. Uh, My parents are a traditional Italian household, so they do, you know, Everything that you can imagine, Italian-wise. You know, they do the lasagna sometimes. They do manicotti sometimes. They do just a little bit of everything. Um, My mother-in-law is part Korean, so they like to do some Korean barbecue stuff as well sometimes. And they do also like bagogi and rice and like that type of thing as well. So very different in the – very different households in in my family, to say the least. (laughs) 